babe. Ooh, too loud in the mic, babe. Hey, put that away. Put that thing back where it came from, or so help me. Back in your mouth. No. Well, that's enough for levels. You're allowed to speak. It's like the episode of SpongeBob. Yes. Where they're like, can I? Just a weird accent. Well, so we just got back from an Airbnb. We did. Uh, in the woods. Yeah. Where my sinuses were assaulted by all manner of flora. Yeah. Would you stay in one again after watching this movie? I already hate the company. They're terrible. I I definitely would just because I feel like in a lot of in a lot of places I don't have a choice, which you know. Um, is bad. Isn't great, but <laughs> I don't know. Definitely drives up rents. <laughs> I've never, I've never had, I've never really had any. Um, I'm gonna knock on wood on this one. I've never had any Airbnb issues, but I haven't stayed in like a lot of them. I've stayed in maybe three. Yeah. So it's, it's whatever. I, I do. It's, it's kind of funny because I do understand why people like have locks on certain doors and like, you know, they might want to keep their own like personal belongings. Like, cause it's like their yeah, second like house. Like a, like an old lady that's terrifying. Underneath. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but that always, I always do kind of like to spin that narrative in my head. I'm like, there's someone living in there. I've always <laughs> thought that like whenever I go to an Airbnb and I just try to open a door, just, you know, curiosity, everyone's opening doors. Snooping is the word I think. Yeah. Um, and it's locked. I just immediately am like, there's someone in there. Yeah. Someone lives in that. Immediately. Like the Spider-Man of Denver. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched Barbarian? You mean the, and I'm going to steal this from you, the Scare B&B film that just came out? (laughs) Yes, that's it, folks. I think we have a new subgenre here called Scare B&B. We have two new subgenres. Shout out to dear friends of the pod, Ali Godier for uh, throwing this to me, but she sent me this TikTok that was like, we now have a, we have two great artsy, or well, four great artsy horror films written and directed by former sketch comedians who frequently dressed in drag. Yeah. And like, didn't know I needed that subgenre, but between Zach Krager and Jordan Beale, we now have it. One is only slightly more specific than the other. Like Donald Glover is next, you know? Yeah, I'm down. (laughs) I'm ready for that one. Hell yes. So I'm Nicole. I'm Topher. And we're the Horror Babes. What a weird fact. I know. Welcome. But it's true. Yeah. So just in case you're new here, we will be following the normal format, which is Topher's going to take us through who made this thing, shouting out the cast and the crew. I will take us through the plot. And then of course, of course, of course, we will analyze said plot in our third moment. (laughs) So Topher, who made this thing? Well, I already mentioned his name, but uh, it was written and directed by Zach Krager, who you would know best from The Whitest Kids You Know. Yeah. A great sketch comedy team that Mm -hmm. was a big part of, like, you and I growing up. Like, our college years, I think, was, like, when they were really, really big. It stars our main, uh, our heroine, our protagonist, if you will, to use a fancy word, (laughs) Mm -hmm. is Georgina Campbell as Tess. And the second I saw her face, I'm like, wait a second. She's in something that I absolutely love. And of course, shocking no one, it was Black Mirror. Yeah. 
And it was a fantastic episode, Hang the DJ. Nice. Which, uh, you remember that one? I, I remember that title. I'm sure if I like saw a scene from it, I'd be like, oh, yeah. I, I feel like I've definitely seen that one. It's like a... Um, every the, the plot is that everybody has their relationship coach. And they all live in like single header cabins. And they get uh, a new relationship. And it gives them the... You can see the time of how long the relationship's going to last. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've definitely seen whenever that you, one. Whenever you... You don't have to ask. You can let it like not go but they both say okay three two one and it clicks and because they're having a great time they're like oh this has got to be the one and it says 12 hours i have i have absolutely absolutely seen that one yeah it's it's really cool um i won't spoil it because i think we are actually going to cover it on here at some point um we it's on our it's on our list uh is what i'll say so i'll leave it alone for that but yeah um definitely a really cool episode of that uh of a show that's one of my favorites yeah, the way that I went through Black Mirror is I looked up um, what people had said were, like, the best episodes. Um, and I watched those first, and then I went back and watched the other ones. Right. That's a good way to go through it. It's an anthology show. like Yeah, just because it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, there's Easter eggs if you've seen them all in order. Yeah, but and I don't... And then when you go back and rewatch, there's, like... Yeah, but there's I don't cool really, stuff, but yeah, you don't need that. I, yeah, I don't, I don't personally... I would have to be, like, a super fan of something to actually care about an Easter egg. Yeah. Like, they're fun. I think it's cool that they're in there. Yeah. You know? I just, I don't care enough to be like, oh, I want to find every single one. I'm not Ready Player One, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the things I could say about that. God, such a good book. Such a good book. I have different opinions, but this is not that podcast. True. So who made this thing? I'm going to continue with the cast, then. Sounds good. We have... Scary, sexy, scare rousing, Bill Skarsgård as Keith. Um, yeah. Fun fact: He's when she pulls his license out, he's listed as five ten. Bill Skarsgård's like six five. He's enormous. He's that tall. Yeah, Fuck. he's really tall. Well, la di da. <laughs> Damn. Congratulations on reaching the top shelves without a ladder, asshole. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know him from a little movie, two movies actually called It. Chapters one and two. Pennywise. Yep. Pennywise himself, Bill Skarsgård. Fucking terrifying. I nearly pooed myself in the theater when I saw the first one. TMI. Nah. (laughs) These are our friends, Nicole. They need to know. Uh, Do they? (laughs) Do they? Uh, We have the one and only Justin Long, one of my favorite comedic actors. Yes. Who has done a couple horror movies, and I need him in more. Yeah. Um, He's played... He's a very flexible actor. He does a really great job of playing um, someone who you don't know is going to be a good or bad. Yeah, when we're introduced to him, he's an absolute rank piece of shit. And then you're like, oh, well, he'll be okay. And then, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think just him as a person, he kind of has like this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde thing going on. Like where in any given movie, you're like, I don't know if you're the villain or if you're the hero. Yeah. And it's it's. Because he plays an asshole in different ways, but he also plays like just a just a klutz. Like, yeah, give him, like uh, him and dodgeball accepted. He's just um, not that into you. Yeah, um, um, I know he's not. <laughs> <laughs> that that movie, that movie. Good lord, <laughs> that's a horror movie. Yikes! Playing the mother, and we'll get into who the mother is in just a moment. But playing the mother is Matthew Patrick Davis. I love anybody who can do great body work. And, like, 
I'm sad that he took away a role from Doug Jones, but I think Doug Jones is doing just fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need to worry. And he did really well. Like, the physicality of the mother was terrifying. Oh, absolutely. We had Richard Brake as Frank, who we all hate. <laughs> we absolutely, we do not like Frank. <laughs> and uh, last couple shout outs I'm going to do. James Butler as Andre, the unhoused guy who lives on the block where the Airbnb is. And a voice cameo from Kate Bosworth as Melissa. Nice. Uh, I think she played one of um, um, Justin Long's agents. When Got it. Them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure yeah. that was her role. I didn't know she was in it until I, I know we the were cast like, list. wait a minute. We didn't see Kate Bosworth. I would see Kate Bosworth. Like, yeah. Good lord. The music again. Great music. We're always going to shout out music. We literally just finished a month on <laughs> all music. Listen. Yeah. Say say what you're uh, going to say. Was Anna Drubik. Honestly, the song choice for the rolling of the credits. Oh my god. Be my baby. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, like, here's here's that argument that you truly can take any song and just twist it a little bit to the left context-wise, and it's horrifying. And especially when you think about, like, I'll delve into this in, the, in our little analysis section, but one of the things I do want to talk about is how clever it was to use that. Like, I want to get into the specifics of why it was so clever to use that song. I'm obsessed. Yeah, it definitely has to do with Ronnie and Phil Spector. I'm obsessed. But yeah, she's... Anna Drubik, you wouldn't super know her. Um, she did do Werewolves Within and um, parts one and three of Fear Street as the composer. Um, she's a Russian Jewish composer. She literally worked on something... Um, the One of her projects was called Russian Jews... Russian Jews film 1918 to 1948. It was a documentary she worked on as cool. a composer, but she's kind of an up and comer and I'm really excited to see what else she does. Hell yeah. Especially based on this, like the composition and the, the soundtracking of this. Yes. Our cinematographer was Zach Cooperstein. I've actually, I've met him before at some random like film event that I was at, but he did um, eyes of my mother. Okay. Which is a really great one. A uh, great horror film. Um, yeah, this was definitely really fun to watch, uh, and especially because he just has a really good eye. Our editor was Joe Murphy. I don't think I've seen anything that he's done. Um, there's some things on here that I recognize the names of, but he's pretty new. Mm-hmm. Um, at least to, like, features, you know? Yeah. Um, but I thought the editing was really solid on this. The pacing was, again, we'll talk about it, but the pacing was aces on this. Agreed, yeah. And our costume and wardrobe was done by Kirill Namov. So, yeah, this is... To, to the U.S., this is his first major thing. Um, but one thing I am very excited about is that we're getting Kung Fury 2. And he's working on that. <laughs> or has worked on that. Amazing. Right? Um, I did love that Bill Skarsgård got himself a little EP credit on here. Mm-hmm. It's always good to see that, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's from the Skarsgårds, of which there's 17 or some shit like that. And they're all amazing. Stella and Alexander. Him. Somebody else. Stella. Stellen. <laughs> Stella, you guys! I got to that Seinfeld episode where oh. Elaine is <laughs> on painkillers or muscle relaxers, muscle relaxers, and yeah. and is going out with um, Jerry's mom and dad, and she just keeps going Stella. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like I said, this dropped earlier this year, um, just a couple months ago. It was back in September uh, 2022 is when it got its wide release. It did actually premiere at San Diego Comic Con. Mm. Nice tight runtime, 102 minutes. We love. 100-minute movies, 
perfect. Mm-hmm. And on a budget of four and a half million, very small budget these days, especially for what happens in this movie. Yeah. 44.4 so far. And this movie is still in theaters. And yeah, please, it's still if you, in theaters. You should go see it in theaters if you can. Um, if not, it's on HBO Max. Yeah, um, my sister went and saw it in theaters and she said it was a really... It was really cool to see in theaters. We just watched it on our on our TV on HBO Max, which that is available if, you know, you can't make it to the theater. But uh, And yeah. I will say it was actually balanced well. But yeah, something I do really... Something I really want to know every time I watch a movie at home is whether or not the sound design's going to be any good for a TV. Yeah. Like, that's something we all talk about, and it's the fact that just no one wants to bother to recut a film on the soundtrack, on, like, for a smaller scale. Yeah. Um, they're like, oh, no, you've got a home theater. No, I fucking don't. Right. I haven't for a long... Well, I never had a home theater, but I had surround sound before, because speakers and wire are cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, no, I... <clears throat> But yeah, no, I will say that it is worth watching at home, even though I wish I had seen it in theaters, you know? Mm -hmm. And I may still, I would watch this movie like 10 more times. Yeah. But yeah, that's enough of me talking. So why don't you tell me what happens in this damn thing? Okie dokie. Woo! So we have our main character, our protagonist, Tess Marshall. She's coming into town for a job interview. She, you know, books a scare B&B <laughs> um, in this rundown Brightmore neighborhood. Um, we're in Detroit. Uh, funny, though, the when she I'm, I'm jumping ahead two seconds. But when they both uh, her and Bill Skarsgård give each other the number, um, it's a Boulder, like Boulder, Denver area code. Mm. They say 303. Right. So she gets to the house. Uh, she, it's like raining outside. It's cold. It sucks. Um, she's. She finds out that it's been double booked, and um, this is where we meet Bill Skarsgård, um, which we're already, because of his previous roles, <laughs> we're already like, oh, fuck, he, like, lured her here. Like, you're already filling in this narrative. Yeah, you're, you're like, like you're this like, is the villain, we're going to do a cat guy. and mouse. Yeah, yeah it's going to be, like, you know, your traditional whatever. Um, and his name is Keith Toshko in this, and... Um, she kind of finds him a little creepy. She's like, you know, she's kind of avoiding him and is just like, I just need to get through tonight because there's like a convention in town as well. So she can't just go get like a hotel. Yeah. There's like a thing where he's like, oh, shit, there's a medical convention. You're not gonna be able to get yeah. a hotel. Yeah. Um, Everything was booked out. And it's like a, it feels like a convenient lie for him. Exactly. Yeah. And a hard thing to verify, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's not like a, this is not a case where a quick Google search would fix you. Right. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, there's a concert. So everyone's in town for that. Or like a music mm-hmm. festival because everyone would know about that. Right. Um. Again, Googleable, like you said. But so, not that Googleable. Yeah. 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 She's, uh, she eventually warms up to him. They kind of, they share a bottle of wine. They're talking. She decides to stay the night. Um. He's on the couch. She's in the room, which. I get that there are one bedroom bungalows, but I just, I guess I've never been to an Airbnb where there isn't at least like two bedrooms. Oh, I have. It's, yeah. It's something I was thinking about, but. but. But also that kind of, that style of house is very true to Detroit. Mm. So then the next morning, um, Keith leaves for the day and Tess, she goes to her interview. It seems like it goes well. Um, we do have a little harbinger moment though, by the woman who's, mm-hmm. who's um, interviewing her. She's like, why are you staying in Brightmore? Like, get out of there. Yeah, it's not a place to yeah, be. Yeah, that's a bad neighborhood. That's like, a bad that, neighborhood. Like, well, it's not even like that's a bad neighborhood. It's like, dude, there's some fucked up shit 
that's happened in that neighborhood. It's like, yeah, it's like beyond crime. Like, that's not what she's talking about. She's talking yeah. about something it's like... A little, it's a little column A, little column B. Well, yeah, yeah, of course, but it's it's just beyond that. It's like... Yeah, exactly. It's like, girl, run. <laughs> um, And then she gets back to the house and is chased inside by a homeless man yelling that she must leave. So another Harbinger moment. Um, She goes into the basement and she gets locked downstairs and then stumbles upon this like hidden corridor it's like a cave looking thing i'm like why one of those things that just like, don't go in also just leave shit alone my guy like, leave it alone like honey if you find a random ho- rope in a wall do not pull, pull the it. rope don't pull the rope i mean i would have left after two people told me to get the fuck out of there yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna leave well enough alone yeah so down there, Tess finds a room with a camcorder, a stained mattress, and a bloody handprint. She backtracks and tries to leave, but is just locked in that basement. Um, Keith arrives. She's like screaming out the little like window, banging on it. She's like, Keith, Keith. He frees her through that little window, I guess. Um, or comes around. I'm not sure. Yeah, she tosses the key out the, the That's right. Window. That's yeah. right. So... Um, Tess tells Keith about everything that she saw, and of course he decides to go into the basement to investigate. People Guys, can't leave well enough alone. They just, just fuck off. Just yeah. go. I don't care where you go. Just anywhere just but there. Go. I will but, pull off on the side of a highway and sleep in my fucking car. I'll pull, I'll go to a truck stop and sleep there. Like. But I suppose we wouldn't have this movie if there was some sense involved. Yeah. So, um. He obviously he doesn't come back. So Tess, Tess decides to go downstairs and finds out that the hidden corridor that she had found actually leads to this like subterranean tunnel. Yeah, there's um, even more shit. Yeah. Yeah, it just keeps going. And she's hearing Keith in the distance like screaming for help. She goes into the tunnel and she finds an injured Keith. I'm like, again, so many mistakes were made in the past like five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, they are both attacked by a naked, deformed woman who brutally kills Keith by like slamming his this head kill was repeatedly. So good. Just yeah. grabs his head like it's a fucking basketball with one hand and just crush, crush, crush. Mm-hmm. Like, well, Keith's dead. Yep. So all of our <laughs> preconceived notions were wrong. We're yes. like, he's not the evil person. He's the first dead. Okay. Um. So then, then we cut. We, we, we have like a hard cut to um, Justin Long in his convertible driving down what I would consider like an L.A. It's PCH. Yeah. He's driving through Malibu. Yeah. Yeah. A.J. Gilbride is his name in the in the movie. Um, he learns that he's been fired. He's on the phone. He gets a phone call. Um, he's fired from his TV series because he is there are rape allegations made by a co-star. He does is, all that gross shit of like, of course it didn't happen. She's a liar. Blah 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 blah. And then like goes to the bar and like tells his friends like exactly what went down and it's clearly rape. But he's trying to like justify it as not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then makes the drunk phone call. Like he's like, like, he's like, he's like, initially she said no, but you know, she gave in. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Again, just in case someone who's listening to this does not know this, a less than enthusiastic, emphatic yes is a no. Yeah. Consensus hell yes and a high five. Yeah. That's what that is. Anything below that 
or yeah, is not consent. So anyway, just in case it was someone's first time hearing that, <laughs> take it to heart. Um, so he's having to sell his assets because he's about to have to pay some big money for some legal legal costs, really. Yeah, and he's been spending like money like it's water. Of course. He's like, I'm in a TV series. Like, I'm making money right now, irresponsib- irresponsibly um, spending it. So um, he flies, and of course he gets, you know, the phone call being like, yo, why did you leave the state? Um, that looks <laughs> terrible. And he's like, I have to um, liquidate everything. Um, to pay you. <laughs> yeah, literally, to pay you. Um, so he goes, we find out that he owns the rental property that Tess and Keith rented which is kind of funny because then it kind of makes sense why it was double booked Mm -hmm. it's like scammy he wanted to get double money he's like yeah i'll just put two people in there yeah i feel like it wasn't an oversight i don't know that's just me it feels like that's the way he runs his business is like yeah and it's it's like it's like a gamble he's kind of like well maybe they'll stay together and i just get to keep the money or Or maybe like he didn't have any idea what was going on he just owns a house right and his money manager hires some company that's the cheapest one he can get to run the house. True, and that's true. That's probably more more accurate. AJ, you know, he goes through and inspects the house because he wants to put it up for sale. Um, but then he he finds the hidden tunnel, and what does he think? Oh, I can sell this for more. And then just like Google's like, hey, like can I, you know, if I have like a downstairs, if I find a tunnel, <laughs> so he decides to go and like fucking measure this tunnel. Yeah, so and he's, he's like, let me get the square footage. So this idiot is down there with a motherfucking tape measure mm-hmm. just la 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 um just so disconnected from what's what is surrounding he's so f- it's so funny like this is the best comedic relief in the movie is that he's so fucking oblivious and you're sitting there going well actually i do want you to die so yeah <laughs> you I'm already like, hate I, him i don't yeah i don't give a shit about him i'm happy for him to die so you're just like well this will be fun um and then and then the, the woman attacks him, the deformed woman, and uh, he falls into this pit where we find Tess, who explains that the woman, referred to as the mother, uh, just wants them, she wants you to be her, her baby. <laughs> and so... Um, just be baby. Just be baby and baby. Um, and she, like, drops down this, like, this, like, old bottle for them to like drink from there's like a hair on it and yeah. like it's so Ugh. gross um and Tess goes along with it and then and then AJ refuses of course he's like hell no and Tess is just like she just wants you to be her baby come on she's gonna like kill you but when he refuses she drags him away and forces him to breastfeed um such a good scene this movie, the movie has, has has gone in a direction that none of us suspected <laughs> and there's the videotape playing from the 80s it's just of like, like how baby, to get your baby, baby. yes Ugh. oh my god shutters <laughs> yeah i think the second that bill skarsgård dies i'm like yeah i don't know what's about to happen and yeah. then we cut to justin long in a convertible and just like okay i am on this ride yeah and, and i am thrilled because i have no idea where this is going yep. um and then tess ends up escaping the house while the mother is uh, preoccupied with with baby 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 ba- baby Justin Long <laughs> <And> <laughs> she escapes the house by breaking a basement window she reaches a gas station and is able to call the police the officers just think that she's crazy um, they're dismissive of her story 
Um, because of the neighborhood she's in, because she's black, and because yeah. she's like freaked out. They're like, oh, crackhead. This movie absolutely takes an A-cab stance. It's oh, not yeah. subtle about it. No, it is not um, at all. <laughs> love it. And she, but she eventually convinces them to go back to the house with her, you know, unwillingly. And they're, they refuse to investigate. They're just like... They're just like, this is, you're crazy, you're a crackhead, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just, you know. Um, then we get a flashback. We're going to find out the lore of the mother. Yeah. Um, uh, to the 1980s show, uh, and it shows the house's original owner, Frank, who abducted women and held them captive in the tunnel. He would use the hidden room to videotape himself raping them and then rape the subsequent children. Oh, God. Reading that sentence is really difficult. Um, It's not fun. It It does make my stomach churn. It makes me want to die. Back in the present, AJ discovers this decrepit Frank living further in the tunnel. Horrifying. Mm -hmm. Arguably more terrifying than the mother. Um... Initially believing Frank to be just another victim of the mother, AJ assures Frank that the police will come to investigate. Um, Frank discreetly retrieves a hidden revolver as AJ discovers the tapes, and Frank just kills himself. AJ flees with the gun while the mother leaves the house to find Tess. Tess runs her car into the mother, seemingly killing her. Which, again, just to go back for, like, a brief moment here, Tess is so worried about these men and their safety. (laughs) I spent so much time and energy screaming at her through my TV screen, being like, bitch, you, A, just met them, both Keith and AJ, and they're pieces of shit just by, like... By nature, and we know we know that AJ actually is. And, and Keith is just kind of like, but I'm a feminist. Like everything he says he's is fake like, woke. Uh, he's, yeah, he, he reeks of fake woke. He's like, I'm going to make you safe, but also I want to ask you on a date. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so I just was, I was. She's so adamant about going back and saving AJ like that's what she's saying about the police she's like a guy is still in there you need to go save him I'm like girl once the police didn't believe me I would just be like well tough shit like bye AJ I'm sorry <laughs> sorry bud um but I, I that's the only problem is that she has to go back in to get her car keys I know um god that sucks um but like the the homeless man is telling her he's like he's like don't be here when night falls Mm -hmm. like when at nighttime she's gonna come looking for you she's not like bound to that house or anything she just you know she's gonna come looking for you um but what is what what does tess do stay until it's dark so it's nighttime the mother is looking for tess tess ends up uh ramming her car um into the mother seemingly killing her but we know we it's know too better. early in the movie we know better we, you know even without looking at the timestamp, i'm like i know that's not the time there's still my 30. internal clock was like nah, there's still yet. at least 30 minutes left and it's um, only the first injury yeah exactly and so we're like she is not dead tess uh goes back to the basement dumbass like i i want to root for you ma'am but you're making it very hard very difficult very hard um and so she tries to rescue AJ, but she accidentally shoot. He accidentally shoots her with that gun that he found because you know he's alone in this. In this, you don't know what's coming your way. Um, so the two escape the house and they find shelter with Andre, the homeless man, um, 
from earlier. And then Andre explains that the mother is a product of a multi-generational incest by Frank. Which makes me feel really bad. Like, I really sympathize with our monster here. Yeah. She doesn't know what she... Like, she doesn't know that she's causing any harm. She's just like, I found you. You're my baby. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and is a is a is a victim of incest essentially like rape and incest yes yeah so the mother then ambushes the group and kills andre before chasing tess and aj up this large water tower (laughs) and then guess what y'all this motherfucker aj pushes tess off the tower in an attempt to save himself so that the mother would be distracted and he could escape i can get out of here but i'm gonna need your help and then and he fucking pushed. I was like, God. I was like, exactly, Tess. That's exactly what you get for trying to help him, which is unfortunate, but we all know. And uh, the mother jumps after Tess, so the plan essentially works. Um, the mother shields Tess from the fall because it's her baby. Yeah. Um, as a, a those maternal instincts, man. Um, <laughs> as AJ attempts to rationalize his actions to Tess, the mother wakes up and just fucking kills him like Claws just his eyes out just oozing everywhere it's Blech. fantastic it's great um the mother tries to comfort tess and wants to take her back to the house she reluctantly shoots and kills the mother and stumbles away as the sun rises roll credits be my be my baby be my little baby my one and only baby my only baby <laughs> we're basically the runettes you know, Whoa. <laughs> I know. How do you how do you follow that? Um, oh man! So yeah, this this movie, the best way I can describe it is a movie where everyone's an idiot, but I still love it. Um, it was such a fun watch. Yeah, and I usually don't like mystery boxes. I usually don't like film within a film within a film. Which this is three different movies, or even four plausibly, um, between. The jumps, the time movement, all of that stuff. Usually that's something I would hate, but damn, is it pulled off well. I mean. I was I was so attentive throughout the whole thing, and that says something. I was gripped, yeah. That's, that's why I agreed that the pacing is done really, really well. I was fully in it. I was... Again, like I was, I was rooting for them, even though they're <laughs> idiots. Yeah, there's no one smart in this movie. Yeah, they're and, all dumb, and and aside from Tess, they're all bad people. Yeah, like, and the mother. I mean, I mean Andre. Andre doesn't do anything wrong. Oh yeah, Andre's just, Andre's just trying to warn people. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Andre Andre's good, but he's barely a character. I mean, he's in it for thirty seconds, maybe two minutes. He's a bit of a plot device. Yeah, he's yeah. exactly a plot device. Yeah, yeah. completely. But yeah, this movie, so I was talking to a friend of the pod, uh, go back and listen to all of the episodes with him, Primrock. Yeah, so I was talking with Prim, and he was like, I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah. But I am going to say one thing, which is, it's two different movies, and you're going to like that fact. Mm Because he knows me. Uh, and we've we've watched a bunch of movies together. We clearly have covered several together on the podcast. Yeah. Sometimes all three of us. Uh, And... It's one of those things where I'm just like, he, he just knew exactly what I was, my, what my reaction would be if I didn't know that going in. Yeah. And so he's like, look, I'm just gonna let you know right now. It is two different movies about the midpoint. You're going to like it. Yeah. And so I was, I was like, all right, cool. That's a recommendation I'll take, you know? For sure. It's, 
It is. It is really well done. That that the the pacing and the editing of because that's not an easy feat to kind of have two different movies that come together and 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 angle in at the at at the the midpoint like you said. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy thing to do. There could no. have easily been some fat to trim, but I honestly don't think there's any. There's nothing I would remove. From I this. would not change the editing of this at all. And it, I know that there were some scenes deleted, but I don't care. Like yeah, that's uh, one that's always the case. Apparently but like, the grossest scene, I don't know what it was. I never found that out in my research, but apparently the grossest scene was cut. <laughs> yeah, well, and that was on we mentioned him earlier, Jordan Peele's recommendation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because he said he had a similar thing happen. He was he and Craig are good friends. Um, and even uh, Georgina Campbell was like, yeah, no, like Jordan. This is a, a movie that Jordan was a huge part of. Yeah, because they were on the phone all the time. Because it's Craig's first horror film and is a feature horror film that came from a short script, exactly like Get Out was. Yeah, and they know each other from their sketch comedy days. They know each other from New York, all that shit, right? Yeah. So yeah, uh, apparently Jordan Poole or Jordan Poole, God. Apparently, Jordan Peele was the one who was like, yeah, cut that. Because he was seeing early, like, Craig was sending him, like, dailies and screeners and shit. Yeah. Even though I know Jordan Peele won't take credit for that, he definitely did something. Uh, and with the way this movie turned out, I'm not going to give him that much credit because it's not his film. But I do like when someone steps in and goes, yeah, no, not that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, in terms of editing, the last thing I'll say is, that, like, this has four different tones in it. Yeah. But they all contribute to the main tone. So, like, it's subtones. It, four different notes, or three different notes form a chord, right? Um, so this is just four notes in a chord. Like, it's amazing. For uh, sure. I really like the sound of it, you know? Yeah. Um, or, like, I'm doing music and movies at the same time, shit. But yeah. Um, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that's, that's a clear enough metaphor, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah, and I, so, I, I did, I mentioned that, you know, this movie takes... This movie is not very subtle in its <laughs> no, message. No, no. Um, and I love that for I love it for that. Same. Uh, I already said that it takes a very strong ACAB um, stance, which is great. And um, but it also takes a very strong stance against men in the relationship between men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's yeah, it is not it is not subtle at all. You watch it, you will get it. Um, but just to go into it briefly here is, you know, you've 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 already got as a woman watching this, you fully understand Tessa's hesitancy towards Keith before it before it even registers that it's Bill Skarsgård and you know maybe he's playing the villain again you know like right. before it could have been <laughs> he was a wonderful choice for this because it really did make the audience believe that he was going to be like the villain again but if you would replace him with anyone else it's, it's it's still creepy because you're like as a woman you're always always concerned about your safety when you're alone with another man especially when you're in the woods and um or the outskirts of Detroit or the outskirts of Detroit anywhere anywhere where no one can hear you scream yep um and the service might not be great on your phone um so that's already pretty terrifying and this movie kind of throws us a curveball in in that in that way when when uh, Keith dies. Um, but then beyond that, then we cut again to AJ, who already has rape allegations against him. He's that's a, how we're introduced to that's him. That's how we're introduced to him, literally. And he's a piece of shit about it. And the way that he's speaking to his friend about it, all of that stuff. So that's already like, okay, 
AJ's terrible too. And then you've got Frank, obviously. I don't even need to expand on that. No, we, we not have really. Frank. <laughs> um, and then on the other side of this, we've got the mother who, yes, scary in appearance, is just trying to care for and love AJ. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds a little weird, but like there's nothing. I mean, she fucking like boops him on the nose. She literally does boop him. Literally, yeah. she goes boop, and, and then I does die. a little the like stroking from his forehead to his nose because that's what the video is telling her to do. Boop, I died. But yeah, so she's really even if it's a smothering type of love, she's still <laughs> trying. Just trying. Like again, I feel so much sympathy for the monster in this. Um, and then you've got Tess who shouldn't care about these bros, but she, for whatever reason, does and wants to save them. I mean, maybe she's just a baseline better person than me, but I would not. There's no fucking way. But I think the point that the movie is trying to make with AJ then betraying her, essentially, is is that men are the real monsters, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's... There's no way that he would reciprocate that for Tess. Um, that idea of like, we're in this together. I need yeah. to save you. You know, like, they're not a team. He literally shoots her. Yeah. And then shoves not, her off a tower. They're, they're not a team, but Tess this whole time was like trying to save him. So that says, I don't even need to go even deeper into that. I don't need to. You guys understand that. That is very, again, this movie is not subtle about its stance on cops and men. <laughs> no, not at all. Which is great. I, 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 I love it when a film is just like, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna be subtle about this, you guys. We're gonna hammer this home. You're gonna get this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really kind of fun. I've got to say to feel as sympathetic towards the monster as I do, because again, like the only reason that we're we're you know supposed to be afraid is that she's like huge, naked, a little deformed. You know, she she looks like a monster. Yeah. It, she was literally, um, uh, there was an illustration in Beowulf, the director was saying, that that, that really stuck with him. And, of Grindel's mother? Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, and that literally was the inspiration for this. So so if you, if, if, if it was, you know, like a, like a little old lady doing the same things, <laughs> other than maybe bashing the head, but you know what I mean. Yeah, we already talked about X on here. <laughs> yeah, we don't know, we don't know what Keith, Keith and the mother's interactions were before he got his head bashed uh yeah i think he just saw her and ran you know yeah he wasn't down there long enough for her to be in the cell or anything like that yeah um yeah no i mean i i also love the contrast the comparing contrast between keith and aj yeah aj's an outright monster yeah and this is definitely you know commentary on um or in, in I wouldn't say in commentary, but in support of uh, Me Too movement, etc. Right? Of course, yeah. Definitely was. He started writing it around that time, mm. or in the wake of that. So you have the outright monsters, your Weinstein's. Uh, mm-hmm. So Justin Long's character, AJ. Mm-hmm. But then you have the quiet, supportive, "I'm with you" kind of guy in Keith, and you still don't trust him because we know that person now fake woke exactly but like the guy who's like yeah no i'm a feminist i want to make i want to do everything in front of you so that you don't think that i'm doing anything like he waits to open the wine bottle in front of her but he He insists on sleeping on the couch he definitely doesn't know that a woman can pee 
when she has a tampon in. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's the delineation there. But like it, it comes down to like the um the Aziz Ansari story that broke. Yeah. That's yeah. the character that he is, right? Yeah, for sure. For that sure. like, oh I like, didn't I'm a good guy. Yeah, I'm with you. I say I'm a feminist, therefore I am. Like it's this very But then like, gets angry when you say no. Or like tries to explain you out of saying no. Yeah. yeah. You know, not like or even like you could say no uh, you don't need like wouldn't uh, they would say that the word no was never said. Yeah. It's more like, it's more of a menacing way. It's sinister. It's, yes, sinister is the word I was looking for. It's more sinister than the AJs of the world. Right. It sneaks they tell up, you who they are it sneaks and keep up lies on you. about who he is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It sneaks up on you. I've, I've known, we've all known both types. Like, yeah. as a... As a as a woman, you you have probably unfortunately come into contact with both types of men. Yeah, and I I just really loved that. I thought that was really clever. That's the only subtle part of the movie. Yeah, is Keith's character because he's not good. He's not a good guy. No, but he thinks he is, and he he says yeah. he is, and he's like, no, see, I'm going through the actions. But it's that it's that I'm a but I'm a nice guy sort it's, of thing. It's um, it's not incel. It's performative. But I'm a nice guy. Yes, it's performative. And I think he he believes he's a good person. Oh, definitely. Everyone believes that they're a good person. Uh, it's yeah. <laughs> it's no like at everyone's core, everyone believes that they are like doing the right thing. It's just that as humans, we have different emotions and different ways of going about things, and that's where you get the drama. Yeah, it's and Justin Long's is like I'm not a bad guy. I just do bad things. Because you have to and, you have yeah. to believe that like as as a person for especially dramatically when you're working on characters, you have to believe that you're right. Yeah. Or else you don't have a strong enough point of view. That's interesting. Um, I, I don't know that I believe that, but I know that that is like a common belief. Well, as like as an actor, when you're doing that type of like text work and like mm-hmm. character work, you have to believe that that you're correct. Because when you're arguing with someone in a scene... You have skin in the game. If sure. you're like, maybe I'm not right, then what the fuck are we doing here? Well, I, I get that point. I'm, I'm more thinking about, like, Iago, right? Like, let's, let's take it to, to Othello, right? Mm-hmm. Iago knows he's evil and knows he's doing evil things. He just thinks he's correct to do those evil things. So yeah, I, like when you said the when you said the word correct, that's different. But he doesn't think he's a good person. That's what I was quibbling on. It's like Yagu knows he's not a good person. Right. He just believes he's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You always have to believe you have to believe that you're right or the things that you are doing are justified. Yeah, conviction. Yeah. I get that. Um that that makes that then we're more in agreement than I thought. Because I was yeah. like, if every per- I know plenty of people who don't think they're a good person at their core. I feel that about myself a lot. Where I'm like, no, I'm not a good person, but I try to do good things. I guess I mean, I guess I mean by good person, I replace that with like has good intentions or Everyone, is correct, and not even. Yeah. And I, I want to stay away from the word good if, if we're gonna come to that agreement. Or at least for my opinion, I want to say that I want to stay away from the word good for what I'm saying because I think people can think they're correct without being good. Right, that they're that they're. Either owed something, maybe. Or it can be that society is wrong and I'm correct, but because society says I'm evil, therefore I'm evil. You know? Yeah, like everything. Alphaba. You have to justify everything within yourself. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so it's it's that idea of he's going through the motions, Keith is. He's um, performative. Yeah. But there's this underlying thing of like, but I still want to ask her out on a date. I still want to like sleep with her, like blah, Uh blah, blah. 
Um, he still wants things to happen. He's just going to be there. He's Again, he's go saying, I'm the nice way. guy. He's going to like, to put it in the way his brain would work, I would say that he is going to say, but I did all the right things. Therefore, I'm owed the sex reward. Totally. It's like. I step, said all the right things. Check, 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 check. Yeah, sex. it's a checklist. Yes. Yeah. Like it reminds, there were some guys in college who like put up a, uh, a consent letter on their dorm room doors for people to sign if they came in. And it was like, I see like it, it, one of them was doing it to mock the other people. The other one was like, I'm covering my ass. And it's the, the covering my ass one is the one that I'm like, that's super gross. No, that's disgusting because even if someone, listen, here's another thing, just in case you've never heard this before again. And that's okay if you've never heard this before. You're hearing it now, and I hope that it hits you and sinks in. Someone can say yes emphatically and enthusiastically to having sex with you. You could start that action, and then they can change their mind. They can say... Yeah. I'm actually not okay with this. I don't feel well. This isn't right for me right now. Or I just plain don't want to anymore. It could be a slew of reasons and those reasons don't fucking matter. That person has decided that they no longer want to engage in that activity with you. They have the right to do that at any moment and therefore that consent is null like that is stopped the consent has stopped you have to stop mm-hmm. you have to make sh- ask them if you can get them anything or if they just want to leave yeah. or if they want you to leave if that's the case and then you will do whatever they want you to do mm-hmm. um you're also allowed to feel disappointed in those moments but that doesn't mean you get to do anything but about that disappointment you just get to feel it you can feel disappointed you can feel confused you can feel whatever feelings you're having you just cannot put that on that other person exactly and those are yours not so theirs. coming through a door and signing a consent form is not okay for the obvious reason of if you get into it and that other person that you're having sex with decides that they don't want to do it anymore and then you decide to continue essentially sexually assaulting them raping them Mm -hmm. that's exactly what it is you have that blanket and they can't convict you because you made them sign this thing it would still be like it was so stupid because it would still be null and void because like usually you're coming back drunk anyway so you already like yeah you can't like sign a contract if you're drunk so or have it it's it's already nullified by the moment that you're inebriated anyway true but any that that is again that's number two of like if you've never heard that <laughs> that's also a little you know sub thing about uh consent yeah just you know like in parentheses at any time someone else can say no and that the consent is over <laughs> yeah um so last few things that i want to talk about uh cinematography fuck me dude it's great. It's so good. Yeah. And again, it's three different styles because you get the what's happening in the present day at the the Detroit house. You get the L.A. sequences, which are shot completely differently. Yep. And then you get the flashback to the Detroit house with the Frank scenes. That's where it really... Also s- shot, complete, shot and lit completely differently. That's where it really sinks in that it's, that it's um, like two different movies. Yeah. Um, but I loved that it was all maintained um, and, and it like all felt cohesive. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But it was like disparate and it like shocked you in a good way. You know, like mm-hmm. it, was, it was jerking you around emotionally 
which I love about this movie. That's the thing it does fantastically. It's just like tear your emotions in six different ways yep. at one moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and as we've always said, cinematography is a key part of that. Yeah. Another cool thing is that this was not shot in your stereotypical um, aspect ratio mm-hmm. for uh, film release. Like what today's standard is, um, it was actually shot in a retro format. Oh. Yeah, it was shot to look more like a 1980s film. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a different widescreen format than we use these days. And I think that's really awesome. That, that's like, really cool. Yeah, just like it gives you, like people don't realize how much aspect ratio affects how you feel in yeah. a film. Um, I know people who would... Uh, who hated widescreen back when you could like when you were watching DVDs. when you could choose yeah i remember having would, some dvds where you could choose between the two yeah yeah oh and they put it in Flashback. stretch format and i would yell at people like yeah. being that film nerd of like don't you fucking dare so you preferred the widescreen <laughs> yeah it's yeah. um you lose parts of the movie if you don't right so like that was a big thing we've talked about this before but like disney plus shoved simpsons into the same format that it uses for everything oh okay which means you're losing like the simpsons is all about visual jokes yeah like i would say a good 80 percent of the jokes in the simpsons are not spoken they're visual gags right and when you take something that's in one format and shove it into another and like push it down it doesn't work. You lose it. It loses it, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, the same thing I've talked about with, like, motion smoothing and why I, when we oh stay, when we stay oh at, God. like, hotels no. or you were in the Airbnb, we just, Airbnb, we just stayed in. I turned it off on both TVs. <laughs> I changed it. That's, that is something, that is something for you and for you only. So, it, Look, whatever makes you feel better, just don't make it anyone else's problem, which I'm glad you don't. I'm glad you don't. Yeah. I'm just saying like I just went in and turned it off. Because nobody notices but you. So it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. But I don't want someone to go in like we had this with a couple of good friends. They were watching It Follows with the motion smoothing on and it completely rewrote the visual storytelling of that film. Right. And they're like, this film's kind of ugly. You said it was really pretty. I'm like, yeah, because it's your fault. <laughs> I got upset and I went to bed. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. It was years ago. But like at one of your old apartments, I was like, turn the motion smoothing off and it's going to look great. Well, um, anyway. But I- that's, it's a whole thing. But I love, I respect someone choosing an alternate format. And I like to shout out when that happens. You know, not just yeah, your no, standard cool. 224 yeah. or 4 to 1. It's, like, yeah. It's creative and it's and it's always, in, it has a very strong intention behind it. Exactly. So yeah. Cool. It was trying to look like a, a schlocky 80s horror film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While still being really pretty. Yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, I didn't even look up. I usually do this, but I didn't look up what it was shot on. But it looks like Panavision um, to me. But used in the way Carpenter would use it, not in the way that, like, you would use it today. Right, yeah. With with modern influences. Like, it is definitely crisp. It's clear. Um, the lighting was really well done. Because, like, a lot of this is in the dark. Yeah, no, but I didn't. And it makes choices. It, it, it definitely does. And I, I've got to say, I think this has been one of my favorite, like, new, like, 2022 films that I've seen. Oh, yeah. I obviously really liked X, but I think that was even 2021. No, that was this year. That was this year. Dude, you forget how good 2022 has been, though. I know. It's been really great. Because we kicked it off so we can run this back. We called in January how good this year was going to be. Yep. We have not been wrong, and we have not been disappointed. Uh, We started off with Last Night in Soho, January 2022, right? Oh, that's right. Or maybe it was December 2021, but it was definitely... No, like, I think it was January. We went to go see that in theaters. Yeah. Together. It was definitely still cold outside, but I don't think it was like December. We had Studio 666. 
Oh, yeah, that was this year. We had Scream 5. Scream 6 is coming out. I know. Um, next year. I know. March I'm 2023. I'm in- I'm, I should say I'm interested. Um, I want to see what they do with the story. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had Scream 5. We had X. Mm-hmm. We had... Pearl. Pearl. <laughs> We had Men from Alex Garland. We had uh, The Northman from... Uh, um, yeah, Robert Eggers. Thank you. Yeah. Like, it, what else did we get this year? This oh, we one. got Halloween. We got Halloween Ends. We got yeah. the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which no, was okay. A, it's not it's great, but it's really, okay. It's been a really good year for, for horror, for sure. And one of the it, best in a while, I would say. I, it's going to go down as an all-time for me, I think. Yeah, no. I, I don't see how it couldn't. We've had a lot of great ones this year. Because, like, I would say, like, 66 is up there. 68 is up there. Mm. 74 is up there. 1979 slash 80 up yeah. there. This is definitely one of my one of my favorite ones from this year, though. Like, Studio 666, X, and this one have been my favorites. Yeah, and I absolutely adored Last Night in Soho, Studio 666, and Scream 5. And now, like, I, there, I haven't been disappointed by a movie I saw this year. I know, it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough list to make, but I just thought that this one... I think also maybe because we were watching it on on our TV and not in theaters, I was kind of comparing it to a couple of the other ones that we've watched, like Raw, Fresh. Um, yeah. Like, just some... Those are on, like, Hulu or whatever, and I think they're even Hulu originals, maybe. Not not Raw, Fresh was. Fresh was. Yeah. Um, but. And oh, that came out this year. Fresh came out this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And which as much. Was, was a lot of fun. And as much as I liked those, this one, I was kind of expecting to like just as much as those. Like, I wasn't expecting this to be bad, but this exceeded my expectations. It, this was good and dumb in a very smart way. Yeah. This is, it, it's like, it's dumb it smart. It mixes comedy and horror in a very nuanced way, which I really appreciate. It gave me Tucker and Dale vibes in terms of the cleverness and lack of subtlety. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was clearly written by somebody who had only done comedy and realized that like Jordan Peele did, like I talk about all the time, that comedy and horror are the same. It's how you play the beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have the exact same beats. It's just how they're played. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I was beyond thrilled with this movie. I, I went in with really low expectations. I was like, it, because the poster looks like the poster for Malignant. My brain just oh, went yeah, straight yeah, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. this is going to be some James Wan. I didn't know anything about this going in, which I like doing. Same. Um, which I think saved me a lot. If I had known it was from the whitest kids, you know, then maybe I wouldn't have watched it. Yeah. Uh, or had as much enjoyment of it. But like letting myself come into this thing fucking clean. I was like, all right, cool. Like the only thing I knew was Justin Long's in it. I didn't know Bill Skarsgård was in it. I didn't. I didn't know, know anything. Georgina Campbell. I didn't know. Yeah, anything. all I knew was Justin Long and what Prim told me. It's two movies in one, and you're gonna like it. It's um, it's so good. And then and then the cherry on top again is is be my baby being oh, the rolling of the credits. Thank you for saying that because that's the one thing that was the last thing I wanted to bring up. I know I've been talking a lot. Sorry, but. <laughs> That song and Ronnie Spector's career and the Ronettes in general, but particularly Ronnie Spector. Yeah. If you know the met, there's a meta narrative that comes by using that for what it is, uh, or for where it sits in the movie, in in that it's the sting for the credits. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, and I don't remember if I brought this up on our Phantom of the Paradise episode, because that movie, I I know I brought up that it was about like, it's making fun of Phil Spector and how much of a piece of shit he is. Yeah. Phil Spector basically kept Ronnie Spector hostage oh. in their house. Oh. She had to walk across broken glass in her bare feet to escape him. Oh. 
he was trying to kill her and she had to run across like a glass table and a glass door. Where's that, that horror movie? Fuck. It, it's real life. Fuck. Um, but using Ronnie Spector who just wanted to like live a normal life and also, you know, make music. Uh, it, it connects really well with this. Yeah, that's whoa. That like you when you know that story and watching Tess stumble over broken glass with her feet. Bitch, that's crazy. It's escaping a hostage situation where she's been kidnapped by by someone who doesn't know any better but is a monster and then is stuck in there with a dude who is a monster and does know better and refuses to admit he's one i was i was watching it and then i we the credits hit and i was like oh my god he just threw in some ronnie specter lore and just like stretched out into different parts but the oh my god it was the it's my favorite part of the movie like just knowing that story and seeing how it connected and like make the second he used it as the sting for the it's credits, crazy. my brain went like just lit up, and I was like, nope, I'm, this is a this is a yearly watch for me. Oh, definitely, I'm I'm definitely rewatching this. I'm gonna buy a Blu-ray player just to buy the Blu-ray of this. Oh like, God, <laughs> we don't need more things. Shush. So anyway, that yeah. about wraps it up for me. That's I again, yeah. That's that's what I have to say on this. Hell yeah. So you guys know where to find us. We are on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We're on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod. And we have a website, horrorbabespod.com. Feel free to DM us. Our DMs are always open if you have any suggestions or comments, questions, concerns. Let us know. And until next time. Bye, babes. Yeah.